The Old Testament lesson for today comes from the book of Ezra. You may or may not remember this story, but Solomon built a temple for Israel. That temple was obliterated by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And where this story picks up today, there is a second temple that will be built and the groundwork, the foundation is being laid. Let us listen for God's word to us. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments were stationed to praise the Lord with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, according to the directions of King David of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people responded with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of family, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house, though many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. My name is Jan Edmiston. I grew up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, but I bring greetings from Charlotte and specifically from the Presbytery of Charlotte. It is wonderful to be here, and my only regret is that I'm in shade and you are not. I wish so much, but I, I have to tell you, I think it's the first time in my life I've preached in front of so many people wearing sunglasses. It really is pretty great. I'm glad to be here. It was about 25 years ago, and I was as tired as I have ever been in my entire life. I was the mom to three children under the age of nine. I was serving a congregation outside Washington, D.C. It was their 60th anniversary, and the moderator of the General Assembly of the entire denomination was coming for the festivities. And a child of the church had just died. My husband and I were co-pastors in those days, which means that it was all church all the time in our household. And I was physically and emotionally exhausted. After that big worship service and the anniversary celebration and the funeral and the funeral reception and our own children needing their parents and setting up grandparents to take care of them so that my husband and I could take a little bit of a break, Fred and I got into the car and drove south to the little town of Little Washington, Virginia. One of our church members had a grown daughter I had never met before who had a guest house behind her house and I'd never met her before but just a couple of days before the anniversary celebration, the church member came up to me and said, my daughter has a guest house in Little Washington. It's beside her house, there's a swimming pool would you like to go there for a couple of days after all this is over? And without consulting my husband, I said, yes, please. The way the week was going, I knew that we were gonna need a break. And so again, after the anniversary celebration, after the child's funeral, after setting up our own children with their grandparents, we literally fell into that minivan and drove south. 
And about 30 minutes into the trip, it occurred to me that not only did we have a hostess gift for our hosts, but we did not even know their names. We didn't know anything about them. All we had was an address. And we were exhausted, but we pulled over into a little gas station that sold wine. And my husband said, do you think they would like a bottle of wine as a hostess gift? And I thought, who knows? We don't know if these people drink wine. But we bought a bottle of cheap wine. They had a little display of flowers. It was very, very sad. Always buy flowers when you don't know. So we bought a pathetic little bouquet of flowers. We arrived on a long dirt road, and there we found a tiny cabin behind a big house, and we were so exhausted that we didn't even take our luggage out of the car. Our plan was to bring our pathetic hostess gifts into the cabin and collapse on the bed. But when we arrived, when we opened the door to that little cabin, what we saw took our breath away. On the kitchen counter, were the most beautiful flowers you had ever seen in your life, and it filled the cabin with a heavenly aroma. And on the counter was a bottle of wine that was a really good bottle of wine. (laughs) And there on the counter also was a note welcoming us from our hosts, whose names were Cindy and Eddie, and it was the loveliest note, and they wrote it, telling us they were so excited we were there as if they'd been waiting all our lives for us to arrive. There's a pool out back that you're welcome to use and please enjoy the bread and cheese in the refrigerator. And the bed was made with gorgeous linens and everything was so comforting and we did not deserve this. And we certainly were not expecting this, but it was just what we needed. Everybody needs this at one time or another. That supremely comforting moment, that perfect break, the right word, the big hug, the bolt of optimism that keeps us going. When I think of what God gives to us every day, I remember that cabin and Cindy and Eddie and the flowers and the wine and unconditional love from strangers who have become friends. And now that I'm with you this morning with new friends, I want to tell you that God's story is one of such lavish love and more. The purpose of life is to enjoy this life that God has given to us and to share that love with those who need it. I want you to think for just a moment. If you need to close your eyes, feel free. If not, I just want you to think for a moment about a time in your life, and maybe it was today, when you felt unspeakably grateful. Your children are alive. You recovered from the unimaginable. You have a comfortable home. Your car works. You like your job. You love your spouse. You survived what you weren't sure you could survive. Somebody loves you. And you have someone to love. Friends, God is the one who makes this possible. 
When we focus on the gifts of God, we can't help but feel overwhelmed with God's great love for us. Now, I've heard that there are two kinds of people in the world, the kind of people who worry and the kind of people who say they don't worry. We worship a God who tells us we don't have to worry because God has got us. This God who feeds the birds and clothes the grass has got us. But still we worry just a little bit. This pandemic has caused layers of worry for our children, our health, our economy, maybe even our church. And it's important to remember that this church, this historic, wonderful, big church exists to be a tool for ministry here in Mount Pleasant to show the world what the love of God looks like. Maybe you remember the story that I read this morning about King Nebuchadnezzar and the destruction of Israel's temple, and maybe you don't, but it's a crucial story in the Old Testament about a warrior king from Babylon who literally crushed Jerusalem in the year 587 BCE, before the Common Era. His armies not only destroyed the temple, the one that Solomon had built, but he forced slaves to carry the boulders far away so that if ever the Israelites were free again, they would not be able to rebuild that temple. That's how much he obliterated the temple. Now the elite in Jerusalem were exiled to Babylon and for almost 50 years they languished there, homesick and broken and crushed in spirit. But where our story picks up today from the book of Ezra, resurrection is upon Israel. Maybe you remember the sad songs of Israel who wept by the rivers of Babylon. It's part of the play Godspell. Maybe you've seen that before. Nevertheless, under the leadership of the Persian king, Cyrus the Great, Israel was freed again after about 50 years, and they returned to Jerusalem with great hopes. It was bigger than a church anniversary, it was bigger than a major stewardship initiative. It was almost as big as a resurrection from the dead. The day came when the builders laid the foundation for the second temple of the Lord and there were priests in fancy vestments and there were cymbals and trumpets and there were responsive prayers and songs. God is good for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. It was a really, really good day. But also, we are told, many of the priests and Levites and heads of families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house. There was so much to celebrate on that grand day, but there were also people who could not get over what they had lost. Even after 50 years, they remembered what things used to be like. Even after 50 years, they longed for the old days. Of course they did. We are told in these verses that with people crying about the past and with people shouting for joy for the future, it was so loud you couldn't hear who was shouting for joy and who was crying in lament, and it was heard from far, far away. I think, personally, I have experienced something like this over the last 50-plus days. And maybe you have too. Hello, pandemic, or post-pandemic, Mount Pleasant. 
This is not your church anniversary. You haven't experienced the destruction of your temple, thanks be to God, and yet there is certainly a lament for what has been lost. It used to be true that everybody came into church on most Sundays and worshiped the Lord with great joy while praying for relief from the burdens of life. It used to be true that in South Carolina, everybody came to church. Before COVID, even though we were seeing signs, there are sports on Sunday. There are golf courses that are very appealing on Sunday. There are travels on Sunday. Our culture has changed in the past 500 days and it will continue to change, but I am confident that we don't have to worry about this. The God who can rebuild the temple in Jerusalem can surely rebuild the church of Jesus Christ here in Mount Pleasant and everywhere. And how does this happen? It happens when we notice how God has lavishly loved us. It happens when we realize that the reason this church exists is to share the love of God with other people who need relief. It happens when we trust that God has got us. I feel very optimistic about this. Believing in Jesus doesn't mean that we will have a life without struggles. I wanna be clear about that. Believing in Jesus doesn't mean our lives will never include crushing blows. Believing in Jesus does mean that we will never be left to our own devices. It means that God will give us what we need and God already has given us what we need if we are paying attention. As I shared with your church leaders last week, there was another moderator of the General Assembly many, many years ago in the 1990s, Bob Bowl. He's a friend of mine, still living. Bob was speaking to his own session, to his own church leaders, and they were grappling with budgetary issues and people were wringing their hands, and there was probably gnashing of teeth, and finally somebody blurted out, I wish somebody would just die and leave us everything we need. (laughs) To which their pastor Bob said, actually somebody already has. We are blessed to worship a God who promises to give us everything we need in the name of Jesus Christ, the foundation of this temple, and the foundation of our very lives. Thanks be to God for loving us and bestowing such grace upon us, grace upon grace, that we are filled with gratitude. Amen.